Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to tell you about Pope Benedict IX, a bloke who really made a name for himself during his time as Pope. Benedict, who was born as Theophylactus of Tusculum, which is quite a name, he uh, he was one of the youngest popes in history. He was only 20 years old when he was first elected, but that's just the start of what this fella was famous for, or, or really I should say was infamous for. Uh, most popes, right, generally speaking, they are popified but one time, only once. Uh, they have one shot at it and then that's it. That's all they get. But not Benedict. No, he became pope no fewer than three times. The only person in the history of the Catholic Church to have become pope more than once. But it gets better or I guess depending on whom you ask, it gets worse because Benedict the Ninth is the only pope ever to have been accused of selling the office of Pope to someone else. It is a juicy story, this one. We're just getting started with all this sort of stuff. It is filled with scandal and sin and everything else that the Catholic Church is so famous for, as befits an organisation, of course, that claims to be the custodian of absolute moral truth. The Catholic Church is just really into the um, the do-as-I-say, don't-do-as-I-do school of thought. You know how it is. Anyway. Benedict IX, he became Pope for the first time in 1032 at around 20 years of age, as I mentioned. He was the scion of a powerful and wealthy family. He was related to several other popes, the nephew of Benedict VIII and John XIX, uh, the grandnephew of John Twelfth, and the great-grandnephew of John XI. And uh, so it won't surprise you to learn the way in which he secured the papacy for himself was very much in keeping with the proudest traditions of not just his family, but the Catholic Church in general. His dad bribed people to elect him. Nice. So that's that taken care of. Young Benedict is confirmed as Pope and he gets underway with what was, it is fair to say, an absolute garbage fire of a papacy. Historian Ferdinand Gregorovius described the Benedict papacy by saying, <clears throat> It seemed as if a demon from hell in the disguise of a priest occupied the chair of Peter and profaned the sacred mysteries of religion by his insolent courses. Why? What made Ferdinand have this assessment of Benedict's papacy? Well, it seems because of the fact that more than anything else, Benedict just really loved to party. 
Not only was he accused of squandering the wealth of the church, taking bribes extremely enthusiastically as well, um, he was going around just doing whatever he wanted, completely using and abusing the noble office of the Bishop of Rome. What sort of stuff did he get up to, you ask? Well, apparently he would just host great big orgies and would get up in the guts of just about everyone, women and men alike. This bloke could not get enough of it. And this was, uh, needless to say, this was not behaviour that his political opponents thought particularly befitting of the office of Pope. And I'll tell you this, the more time went on, the more political opponents he had. And um, and this is, this is actually part of the problem in telling you this bloke's story. So much of what we know about him was written by people trying to tarnish his image, which, in fairness, didn't seem like a very difficult thing to do. Um, but as Benedict was this hedonistic party animal... We don't really know where the truth ends and where the the fabrications begin. For instance, there are accusations of violence and murder and even bestiality as well as all the orgies and everything else, which is, it's not great, to be honest. I mean, orgies, fine, orgies, great. But murder? Less so, I'd say, less so. Anyway, long story short, in the 12 years that he managed to cling to power, 12 glorious years filled with debauchery and dissolute activities and obviously just about every kind of bodily fluid you can imagine, Benedict's enemies finally had had enough. In 1044, accused of many vile adulteries and murders, he was finally forced out of Rome, stripped of his position as Pope, good riddance to bad rubbish, they all say, let's get ourselves a new Pope. And so a new fellow, Sylvester III, was elected and he got underway with the business of poping for a couple of months before Benedict came back with a vengeance. Remember Benedict's powerful family? Oh yeah, they were not going to take the disgrace of their prodigal son, or profligate son really, being turfed out of the papacy, lying down. And so Benedict returned to Rome with some very convincing arguments as to why he should be Pope again. Arguments such as, if you don't let me, I'll have you killed. A very measured and articulate expostulation, I'm sure you'll agree. And his enemies were quite impressed by the strength of his reasoning. Sylvester was expelled and excommunicated. He went back to being a bishop anyway. Bugger excommunication from, from this bloke, he says. Uh, and Benedict became the Pope once again for about a month. It turns out that Benedict didn't really fancy being Pope after all that uh, because he wanted to, wait for it, marry his cousin. You know, as you do. His godfather, a, a much more measured and pious fellow named Giovanni Graziano, he offered to take over the position of Pope for Benedict, and Benedict agreed on one condition, that Giovanni pay the expenses that Benedict occurred in becoming Pope in the first place. So in effect, he just sold the papacy to someone else. Giovanni wasn't impressed by this. He was disgusted by his godson. But all the same, he handed over the money in May 1045 just to get rid of this bloke. And so took his place as Pope, taking the papal name Gregory VI. Now, Gregory... He did his best. He really did. He tried to steady the ship. He tried to restore the standing and the reputation of the papers. He tried to overcome the horrific factionalism and infighting that plagued Rome at the time. He generally just did everything he could to try to hold stuff together. But 
He was faced with an impossible task. Half the people hated him because he was associated with Benedict and the other half hated him because he had more or less ousted Benedict. And on top of this, it didn't seem like married life was for Benedict after all. I don't actually know if he married the cousin that he wanted to or not, but in any case, it didn't last. In mid-1046, just over a year since Gregory had become the Pope, Benedict came back. He rescinded his resignation and he demanded his old job back. And at around this time too, old mate Sylvester III re-emerges from the woodwork. Look who's back. And now the three of them are bickering over who gets to wear the big silly hat. Will it be the hedonistic and sex-crazed Benedict? Will it be the cowardly Sylvester? Or will it be the weak-willed Gregory? All of them, I'm sure you'll agree. Truly terrific options. The, The people back then in Rome, they were spoiled for choice. In the end, it was Holy Roman Emperor Henry III who intervened, like like an angry parent reaching around into the backseat of the car to get squabbling kids to behave themselves. Uh, he forced all of the all of these squabbling clergymen uh, to convene a council, the Council of Sutri, in December 1046. And this council, after lengthy deliberation, declared that both Benedict and Sylvester were officially deposed. And it also politely, but quite firmly, suggested that Gregory resign as he had, you know, bought the office of Pope, which is not a good look. Uh, Henry, coincidentally, I'm sure, he put forth a German fellow, Clement II, to take the place of Gregory after his resignation. And uh, with Gregory ultimately accepting his fate, everything was settled. Until Clement died. In October 1047, Benedict seized the opportunity. He marched into Rome and occupied the empty Lateran Palace, the papal residence back then. He hadn't been at the Council of Sutri. He'd never accepted being deposed. He had maintained all throughout this period his claim on the papacy. Throughout all of this, he was ready to take back what was his. They say that you should fake it until you make it. This bloke marched into the Lateran Palace and declared himself Pope, and in doing so, just kind of became Pope once again for the third time. Now, I don't know if the orgies resumed in 1047. I don't know if he got straight back into his old habits, bringing shame and indignity on the proud and holy name of the church, as its clergy members have unswervingly done throughout its entire history. But orgies or not, Benedict was not, you won't be surprised to find out, was not very popular at all, and he didn't hold on to the position of Pope for very much longer. Henry reached around into the back seat once again in 1048 and ousted Benedict once more, once and for all, this time as the next Pope, another German fellow, Damascus II, took the office with the broad support of... Honestly, just about everyone, especially, you'd have to imagine, the cleaning staff at the Lateran Palace. They would have been having a nightmare of a time trying to get all the stains out. So that was that. That was it for Pope Benedict IX. And I'm sorry to say, I don't really know what happened to him after that. According to official Catholic records, he apparently saw the error of his ways after this and lived a life of penitence and remorse for his profligacy and his debauchery. But I don't believe that for a second, mate. Not a second. A leopard doesn't change its shorts, and I reckon this bloke would have continued his absolute degeneracy until until he started to worry that the bloody thing might fall off. He died in late 1055 or early 1056, only, only in his early 40s, but 
What a rich and full life this man lived. Full of other people he seemed to be for the most part. But hey, good on him. Chase your bliss. Have orgies in the papal residency. How many people can say that they're famous for that? In fact, Benedict isn't just famous for being one of the youngest popes in history or for being the only one to have taken up the position multiple times or even for being the only one to sell the office of pope. If you visit the Wikipedia page with the truly excellent title of List of Sexually Active Popes, it is quite a short list, although actually, then again, quite a long one, given that popes are supposed to be celibate. Anyway, if you go and have a look at this list, you'll find categories such as popes known to or suspected of having fathered illegitimate children after receiving holy orders, or popes alleged to be sexually active during pontificate, a section that is very handily sorted into relationships with women and relationships with men. If you scroll down, exalted listener, to the third section, relationships with women and men, you will find that this section has just one single name in it. One pope in history is known to have been wholly undiscriminating in his choice of intimate companions. He would, uh, he would, well, I guess you could say he would uh, take them as they came, wouldn't he? The only person in history to have this wonderful distinction is, in fact, the promiscuous, profligate, pleasure-seeking Pope, Benedict IX. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.